And so uh, we were at a saturation service a couple weeks ago, and uh, we started something, and I want to continue to dive into it a little bit more, if that's okay. And so we're going to look at it this week. I asked the Holy Spirit for permission, and he seems well with it. Uh, you know, the Holy Ghost, we followed the leading of the Holy Ghost in all of our services, amen. You know, uh, as believers, we know that we're born again, and we're saved. And when we got born again, our eternal destination changed. We were you know, set free, translated from the kingdom of darkness, and glorious translated into the kingdom of light. Is anyone happy about that? There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Can I get a witness this morning? Amen. And because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we have shunned hell, and we have gained heaven, and we're going to spend all of eternity worshiping him, and I'm so grateful for that this morning. Amen. But it's not just about salvation. And hear what I'm saying. Yes, salvation is important. We know that Jesus came. John 3.16 says that I came into the world not to condemn the world but to save it. Anyone who believes in me shall have eternal life. Amen. And so salvation is important. But I believe that Jesus is not satisfied, that our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit is not satisfied if we get born again and we just experience salvation. He died so things would go well with you. Come on now, he died so things would go well with you. And I don't know about you, but I'm not waiting to get to heaven to have heaven. I'm going to have heaven on earth. And I'm going to let him minister to my whole being. Amen. And so we're going to talk about our soul a little bit this morning. And we're going to look at how, yes, we may go through things, but we have hope as we go through those things. And we're going to look at it this week, and then we're going to continue next week, amen? And so I want to talk about, first of all, and I want to start here, about the emotional toll that this life has on us. And this isn't, you know, I think lots of times we get, we get so much faith, and faith is good, and the Bible talks about how the just shall live by faith. But I think people get lost in this element where they think, well, if I have Jesus and I'm born again, then everything's going to be chill. Everything's going to be Gucci with me. Listen, we're going to face some stuff in this life. We're going to face some stuff that's going to vex us in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And that's just the way that it's going to be. Amen. Let's look at some scripture. John 16, 33. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Someone say peace in me. Here on earth, where we live in, it's not a trick question. Where are we living? Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus is amazing. This is a declaration of faith that he's saying right here. This is before he went to the cross. This was before he was betrayed in the garden. This was before he faced some of the greatest adversity that he was going to face while he was here on the earth. But yet, knowing that was coming, he was saying, don't worry about it. I've overcome the world. So what is Jesus saying? I'm going to face something that's going to cause me great turmoil. It's going to cause me great sorrow. It's going to cause me great grief, but I'm going to overcome it. Jesus shows us the mindset that we should have going into situations that look unfavorable. Jesus shows us the mindset we should have going into situations that are going to vex us, that is going to cause us sorrow, that is going to cause us grief. We should go in with the mentality that this is temporary and I will overcome. Come on, someone say, I will overcome. Come on, say, I will overcome. Now say it like you believe it. I will overcome. And so I know that's not, you know, run around the room type stuff. Oh, we're going to face sorrows. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, Jesus said it, I didn't say it. 
And if you've lived in this life for any period of time, you know that you go through some things. And it's amazing how the world just has a way of having a, you know, running a, a, a muck, if you will, on our soul. And even some of the safe places that we go. Now, you don't have to raise your hands. This is rhetorical. Has anybody ever been hurt in church before? Come on now. I think lots of times everyone thinks that this is a perfect place with perfect people. Kind of reminds me, the, the, the place, how I see this place is when they accused the woman that was caught in adultery and Jesus said, you without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Come on, there is no one perfect in this room. Amen. I remember I shared this at school of ministry. I remember when I was in Bible school and uh, they led prayer every morning and they had different students lead prayer. And one morning it was my turn to lead prayer and I got up there and I led prayer and I thought it went really good. You know, and then we came back the next morning. It was a different student's turn. And before the student led prayer, they got up and said, I'm going to lead prayer this morning. I'm going to do what Robert did yesterday, but I'm going to do it with the anointing. Mm, I said, child, please. <laughs> who, who do you think? It, that's Bible school. That should, that's a safe place. You know, and I can take a joke, but my man wasn't joking. I was about to throw some hands up in there. Glory to God. He's lucky we weren't at Walmart. Amen. Because things would have got feisty quick. Anybody ever been hurt at church before? And so what the devil will do is he'll take that hurt and he'll put his giant magnifying glass on it. And he'll use that hurt to drive a wedge between you and something that God has ordained. He'll, he'll cause a hurt and a pain. And I'm not making light of any of these things. When we go to a safe place, it should be a safe place. Right? And so, no, we're not washing over that kind of stuff. But I would encourage you, do what the Bible tells. Go to the one who's caused the offense. Why in our culture have we let the culture creep into the church to where if we get offended with somebody, we just write them off as rubbish? And we sever the relationship. If you're going to have relationships in this life, you've got to be willing to work on some things. Just say amen so I don't start meddling. Well, your church is no different. You're going to have to work on some things. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some offenses. But I'll remind you what the Word of God says. Don't take offense. So it's up to you to, to not pick it up. It's up to you to overlook, man, this ain't even nowhere close to know, but it's up to you to make an allowance for your brother's and sister's faults. Come on now, there's someone in the middle that's a green hallelujah. I'll say it again. It's up to you to make an allowance for your brother's and sister's faults. I don't know about you. I don't want people holding up my dirty laundry because I got some. Them socks be stinky. But what am I going to do with them? I'm going to put them in the washing machine of Jesus Christ and I'm going to let him cleanse it and I'm going to let him work on it and I'm going to help him and I'm going to work with the process so I come out on the other side smelling better and looking better and here's the important part, acting better. Yes. Amen. But if I've got some issues, don't get offended and then just cut the relationship. Come to me and let's work on it. Do we not have more love for one another? Amen. All right, so I'll move on. 
So we see that Jesus tells us that we're going to go through some things. And you know what? Even Jesus went through some things. He was a human being. There was a human side to him. And there were things he faced that hurt him. Matthew 28, 38. It says, then he said to them, now this is Jesus talking to his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. The external pressure and the internal pressure of going to the cross and doing what his heavenly father had asked him to do was so great that it grieved his soul greatly. We see in other passages where it says he was so vexed that he was sweating great drops of blood. My man was stressed. And I identify with that. I've gone through some things that have caused me great anxiety, great stress, that have caused me grief and deep sorrow. And I think lots of times when we're emotional, we feel bad. I'm a believer. I'm a person of faith. I'm a man of God. All that can be true, but you're still going to go through some things. We live in a society where it's not okay to be emotional. Jesus was emotional. But here's the key. He never let his emotions dictate how he lived his life. He was never led by his emotions. He was led by the Spirit of God. And yes, he was emotional. And Jesus gave, he let those emotions work in him in the process. But at the end of the day, he said, not my will be done, but my Father's will be done. What is he saying? I'm not going to yield to my emotions and how I'm feeling in this moment. I'm going to yield to the plan and the will of God. It's okay to be emotional. You know, I can watch a really good commercial and start crying. <laughs> I feel like if you've ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber and they're watching the AT&T commercial and they're washing their eyes with the money, that's how I feel sometimes. I'll watch a commercial and I'm just like, ooh, that hit different. <laughs> Why am I welling up with tears right now? The poor puppy dog. You know, and you got that lady, whatever her name is, McLaughlin or whatever, and she's singing, oh, and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> I'm adopting all the puppies! <laughs> I used to not be this way, but as I get older, I don't know if it's having children or what happened, but now everything. I'm just like sitting at the table, and I'm just like, I feel like I need to cry. <laughs> Why do I need to cry right now? Man, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be emotional. Statistics show us that women usually outlive men, and I believe it's because they allow that release to happen. And that's not a negative thing. We should learn from that. Right? Maybe some of us, we grew up a little old school. Maybe you grew up with, with the Bruce Conover's rule. Hey, Dad, yo. <laughs> Out cutting firewood, you cut off your hand, and he's like, you're fine. Keep loading the truck. <laughs> like, give me a second to grieve. My hand's on the ground, you know? <laughs> it's okay to have these emotions. We're not robots. We're human beings that were created by the hand of the Most High God. And he created us with emotions. They're not a bad thing. Just don't let them control you. 
John 11, 32 and 33 out of the NIV. It says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they answered. Jesus wept. Now, if anybody has ever referenced this scripture before, most of the time we hear this, Jesus wept, it's the shortest scripture in the Bible. And I actually like that reference because that tells me he didn't get stuck here. It's the shortest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. And we learn a lot just from those two words in that verse. Number one, it is okay to be emotional. But number two, we don't live there. Sorrow may come in the evening, but joy comes in the morning. What does that mean? I'm not getting stuck here. We're going to deal with this. I'm going to process the loss of Lazarus. But then I'm going to get with God and I'm going to figure out how to fix it. I'm going to get with God and I'm going to figure out how to overcome it. In this particular situation, Jesus wept and then he moved on. Take me to the tomb. Roll away the stone. (laughs) Homie, come on out. Amen. Right? So he didn't get stuck there. If we get stuck there, we'll miss the miracle. If we get stuck there, we'll miss out on what God's trying to do. If we get stuck there, everyone say, I'm not getting stuck. I look at the life of Jesus and I get encouraged. My Savior, my Lord, he went through situations that caused him grief, that caused him distress, that caused him sorrow, and caused him tears. But yet, he overcame them all. No matter what we're going through, we can overcome. Someone say, I'm an overcomer. Mm, We're about to sing that song. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. Glory to God. Someone say, I overcome them all. So there's hope for our souls, and there's help for our souls. Amen. Over in James 1, 2, 4, we're going to be looking at this the next couple weeks. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Allow perseverance to finish its work. So what does that mean? Don't give up. Don't give up. Someone say, I'm not giving up. Allow perseverance to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. And I want you to underline that word if you're reading your Bibles. If not, write it down in your notes. Complete. And not lacking anything. God wants you to be complete. He wants you to be complete. And we're going to look at scriptures that reinforce this. But yes, he came to save your spirit, to give you a regenerated spirit. He removed the heart of stone from you and gave you a heart of flesh. He took Adam's nature out of you and he placed Christ's very own nature on the inside of you and made you a part of the body of Christ. You are now the beloved. Can I get an amen? But he did so much more than that when you were translated from darkness into light. He healed your body. He gave you a sound mind. Come on now. And he wants to minister to your soul. He wants you to be complete. He wants you to be mature. Nothing lacking and nothing missing. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 out of the NIV says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That word right there, perfect, it scared me the first time I read that in the Word of God. But when you look at that word more accurately uh, uh, translated, it means be complete as your Father is complete. God is complete. And he wants his people to be complete. I also find it so interesting, we don't have time to go look at it, but if you look at the uh, book of Matthew chapter 5, it talks about the blessings for the first however many verses, and then in verse 13 through 16, it talks about being light, and then it talks about vows, and it talks about anger, and it talks about marriage, and it talks about divorce, it talks about all these things, and then he wraps up that chapter by saying, be complete as your father is complete. Almost to me, he's saying, you can't do all these other things unless you let God make you complete. Oh, come on now. It's almost like Jesus was telling them, you will not have a healthy marriage unless you let God make you complete. You will not truly be salt and light in this world unless you let God make you complete. Right? He's saying you're going to have anger issues unless you let God make you complete. And even when he's talking about the anger issues, he also just creeped it in there about talking about forgiveness. You won't be able to forgive others unless you are complete. And so this completeness has a lot to do with the way that we live our lives. We all know the expression, hurting people hurt people. And so God doesn't want us to be hurting. He wants us to be perfect or complete. This word commonly means finished, complete, pure, holy. Now listen to this. Applied to people, it refers to the completeness of parts or perfection. Where no part is defective or wanton. He doesn't want any part of you to be defective. He doesn't want your mind to be defective. He doesn't want your emotions to be defective. He doesn't want your will to be defective. We know he doesn't want your spirit to be defective. He wants every part of you to be perfect and every part of you to be complete. And that, my friends, is a process, but just know he wants you to be complete. Someone say, I am complete. He doesn't want any part of us lacking. Over in Psalms 23, we all know this scripture. Verses 1 through 3, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, lots of times we use that for finances, and that's true. You lack nothing. May God meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. But why, when we come to God, do we put everything in a box? When I read, I lack nothing, I lack nothing emotionally. I lack nothing spiritually. I lack nothing in my body. Come on now. I lack nothing. Why? Because I have a good shepherd. Come on, can you get a revelation of that this morning? I have a good shepherd, so I'm not lacking in my mind. I'm not lacking in my finances. I'm not lacking in my body. I'm not lacking in my spirit. Come on now. I'm not lacking in my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. I lack nothing. Somebody say it. I lack nothing. Glory to God. Why? Because I have a good shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Green pastures. That means we're going to eat and we're going to eat good. And then quiet waters. 
I don't know about you, but I love a quiet and peaceable life. Well, how do I get there? He leads me. I'm not led by my emotions. I'm led by him. He leads me by quiet waters. Ooh, come on now. Let the Holy Spirit help you this morning. The Holy Ghost is ministering to your emotions this morning. He is helping you. Verse 3. He refreshes my soul. That word right there, soul, means thoughts and feelings. It is the seat of your emotions. And God wants you to be refreshed in your thoughts and your feelings. Come on, have you ever heard that before? He wants to minister to your feelings. Why? Because he's the good shepherd. He doesn't want you feeling like garbage. He doesn't want you feeling oppressed. He doesn't want you feeling depressed. He doesn't want you feeling overwhelmed. He doesn't want you feeling anxious. He doesn't want you feeling stressed. He wants you to be refreshed in your soul. He wants to minister to our feelings in such a way that we can do what Matthew 6 talks about and be like the birds. Why are you worried about this? Don't you know that your God will surely provide all that you need? Look at how he takes care of the birds. Look at how he takes care of the lilies. Will he not take care of his creation that he shaped out of the dirt? Will he not take care of his temple that he created with his very own breath when he breathed the breath of life into them? God has moved from temple made by man hand and he's moved into the temple made by his very own hands. Will God not take care of you? He refreshes us in our soul. The seed of my emotions. He doesn't just want to minister to your spirit even though he does. He wants to minister to the seat of your emotions. What kind of testimony is it if we have the creator of the universe on our side, but we're always sad? Talking about being salt in life. What kind of testimony is it if we've got Jesus who died for us, but we're always depressed and oppressed? The reason why I believe this happens is because Christians don't understand that he wants to minister to your whole being. That includes your feelings and your thoughts and your emotions. Let it be well with you. 3 John 1-2. I wish above all things that you may as prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I want the seed of your emotions to prosper. I want your feelings to prosper. He wants to heal some stuff in our lives. Now the scripture we looked at a couple weeks ago, salvation, we know it's all inclusive. It's sozo. He wants to take care of every part of you. He is the good shepherd. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24 out of the Amplified Classic. Now may the God of peace, who is he? We can just stop right there. Again, all inclusive. Peace in my emotions. Peace in my mind. Peace in my feelings. May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. That is, separate you from profane and vulgar things. Make you pure and whole. Someone say whole. And undamaged, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose. And may your, look at this now, spirit, soul, 
and body. So he wants to take care of all of us. Why? Because he's the good shepherd. May your spirit and soul and body be kept complete. There's that word again. Be kept complete and be found blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) I love 24. Faithful and absolutely trustworthy is he who is calling you to himself for your salvation. What does that mean? He's going to take care of you. He's trustworthy to do this. He's going to take care of your emotions if you let him. He's going to take care of your feelings if you let him. He's going to take care of your mind if you let him. And it's a process, and we as the believers have to get involved in that process. Amen. And as we get involved in that process, look at this, making you holy, guarding you, watching over you, protecting you as his own. Woo, I love that. As his own. He's going to watch over me. He's going to guard me. He's going to protect me. Now, that's not just about, you know, lots of times we use it. We talk about he's going to protect me from a car crash. He's going to protect me from this and protect me from that. He's also, if I follow him now, he's going to protect my emotions. If I follow him. But listen to me, church. We have to cooperate with the separation process. Look at how he started. May he separate you from vulgar and profane things. Now we're going to get up in it. Y'all ready? God cannot minister to your emotions if you remain in a relationship that is damaging your emotions. Now husbands and wives, if you're in a relationship that is constantly hurting each other's emotions, then you need to get in counseling. Do not delay. It doesn't make you look weak. It makes you look strong because you want help. Now, if you're not married, come on now. (laughs) Yes, sir. If you're not married, whoo, If you're not, let's just say it this way, because it's always reversed, right? But men, if you're in a relationship and the lady's always being abusive with her words and tearing you down to nothing and hurting you emotionally and hurting you mentally and hurting your feelings, then you need to close that circle. And she needs to be standing outside, not inside. Come on now. Ladies, if you're in a relationship, because this is, we, oh, just heal my broken heart. And then he heals your broken heart and you go right back to the relationship that broke the heart to begin with. And then we're on this six cycle carousel and it just keeps rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And God is saying, just follow me. Get out of that toxic relationship. Get out of that harmful relationship. Teenagers with friends, if you're in a relationship and they're always demanding more of you that you know you're not supposed to give, they're always asking you to do things that are ungodly, that cause damage to your emotions, to your thoughts, to your spirituality, you need to get out of that relationship because God can't heal you if you remain in it. Well, he can do all things. Yes, he can. But all the things that he does does not override your bad decision making. You're going to let him heal your heart and then you're going to take a knife and cut it back open. Let's just start living right and maybe our emotions won't be a hot dumpster fire. 
Thank you for all the amens on that one. You're going to walk into an emotional war zone, quoted scripture. He's the healer of the brokenhearted. And we're going to look at that scripture here in a minute. He's the healer of the brokenhearted. We've got to remove, we've got to work and cooperate with the separation process. Let me give you an easy example. Y'all ready for it? No, y'all ain't ready. If you're going to watch pornography, you're going to bring an evil spirit into your relationship. And before you start judging others, let me just say this. Statistics shows that more women watch pornography than men. So now just judge everyone in the room. <laughs> Instead of just judging the men. Just judge everyone. Hallelujah. Because, listen, all the devil can do is pervert things. He don't know how to create. Even where the Bible calls him the father of the lies, do you know what a lie is? It's a perversion of the truth. So even for him to be the father of lies, he has to take something that God created, which is the truth, and then twist it to pervert it. So he can't even create lies. All he can do is pervert what God has said. Pornography is a perversion of what God has created. And when you let that perversion into your life, there are consequences of it. And it damages your emotions. And it damages relationships. And so what you ought to do is set up some accountability. Getting quiet in this Holy Ghost church. Mm. We have to work with the separation process. There's apps on my phone that I deleted because that stuff was just too available. Right? Why? Because I want to protect my emotions. I want to protect my family. I want to protect the seat of my emotions. So I'm not going to let things in that are going to damage it. I speak freedom to somebody who's in bondage to that in the name of Jesus. For who the sun sets free is free indeed. And there's therefore no condemnation, but there's freedom. And if you want freedom, you must cooperate with the tools and resources that are available. Spouses, let's talk to each other. If you're struggling with something, talk to your husband. If you're struggling with something, talk to your wife. Do we want to be whole in our emotions or not? See, you can't, you can't throw the snakes out of your garden that you're letting in. Especially if you're feeding them. Come on now. I don't know if I told you this story before about that lady that owned a python snake. 
And uh, she used to let the snake sleep in bed with her. And she'd wake up every morning and the snake was laying right next to her, stiff as a board. Every morning, laying next to her, stiff as a board. And it was starting to freak her out. She couldn't figure it out. So she took the snake and she went to the vet. And she told the vet, hey, uh, my snake's acting really weird. Uh, I, I let it sleep with me. And every morning when I wake up, it's stretched out on the bed next to me. And the veterinarian said, well, have you been able to feed the snake? Has it eaten anything? And she said, no, the funny thing is, is the snake hasn't eaten anything in months. And he said, you need to put that snake back in the cage because let me tell you what it's doing. It's sizing you up and it's trying to figure out how long it has to starve itself so it can eat you whole. This is what sin does. It's sizing you up and it's figuring out exactly what it has to do so it can eat you whole. Get that snake. Come on now. Glory to God. Get that snake out of your bed or it's going to eat you. Get that snake out of your emotions or it's going to consume you. Get that snake out of your life. Close it up. Come on now. Someone say close it up. Let's tighten up the ship, believers. Tighten up the ship. Amen. We're in this world, but we're not of the world. I don't participate in worldly things. And I'm telling you this. I can preach this because there's things that I've had to overcome. I had to make a decision. Am I wanting to do it God's way or am I wanting to do it Robert's way? Well, I put this on the altar and let it die so he can heal my emotions so that the God things in my life can grow. What are God things? My family is a God thing. My ministry is a God thing. My life is a God thing. I want the God things to grow. So I got to stop feeding the worldly things. So I didn't put the snake back in the cage. I cut its head off. Amen. Amen. Threw it out on the driveway and then lit it on fire. Because <laughs> we don't play with that. Come on now. See, we got to talk about the struggles of the day. And, you know, really there's nothing new under the sun. Sexual immorality has been around for a very long time. It's all throughout the scriptures. Cities were destroyed because of it. Lord Jesus. And Jesus even talked about two different cities, Bethsaida and I forget the other one. He said these cities are surely worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Because if I lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, they surely would have repented by their sins by now. But you will not repent. Do not be a person who will not repent. Because listen to how corrupt that is. Jesus even said about the city of Bethsaida when he brought the blind man out. It's the only person he had to pray for twice. That's how corrupt that city was. He prayed for him twice, and after the man received his healing, what he said, don't go back to that city. Even if it's longer, go around. What's he saying? Avoid that nonsense. Avoid that garbage, or you're going to lose your God things. You're going to lose the sight that I just gave back to you. Oh, that'll preach. Someone take notes of that and preach it someday. Amen. Invite me to it. It's going to be good. Right? That's incredible when Jesus rebukes your entire city and tells you it's worse than Sodom and Gomorrah that God turned into a pillar of salt or struck down with brimstone and fire. Yikes. Mm. And I can get over into the fear of the Lord and I can get over into this other stuff. I think the church would start living a lot better if they would just honor and respect the Lord for who he is, God Almighty. When we see him as the creator of the universe, the stuff that's displeasing to him, we'll cut it out of our life real quick. Mm. <laughs> I don't have time for it. Mark chapter 7, verse 9. 
Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees, and what did he say? He said, you have a real good way of sidestepping Scripture. You're real good at sidestepping it. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to read it. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse 6 of chapter 7, it says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. I don't think Jesus would be allowed to preach in a lot of churches. My man just laid it out. I mean, he just laid it out. He'd be, so many believers would be offended with him. The soft Jesus that is preached in so many places. Not here, though, praise God. Jesus wasn't soft. He was, he let you know what's up. You hypocrites, as is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You let go of the commandments of God. He's holding you to human traditions. And, con- and he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe. You have a fine way to set them aside. You have a fine way. Woo. Let us not find ways to set aside the commandments of God so we can do what we want to do. Let's just close all these little Christian loopholes. Just close them. Well, there's forgiveness for sins. Well, let's just close that loophole so we stop sinning. I'm not trying to condemn anybody in here. I'm trying to help you in your soul. We've we've got to work the separation process so he can restore our soul. So he can minister to our soul. Psalm 63, 5 and 8. How do you do that? You've got to stop sidestepping his commandments. Glory to God. Psalm 63, verses 5 through 8, King James. My my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Now look at this. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. So go back to Mark 7, what we just read. My soul follows hard after you. What does that mean? I'm not sidestepping these things. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I'm going to obey the commandments that you've given me. I'm going to abide in you so your word can abide in me. So I can be a vine, so I can be, I can produce much fruit. I want to be a branch that's fruitful in the kingdom of God. Amen? And so I've got to work with this process. Psalms 138, verses 1 through 8. A psalm of David. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods I will sing praise unto thee. I will worship towards the holy temple and praise the name of the love, praise thy name for thy love and kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. In a day when I cried out, thou answered me. Listen to this. Thy strengthened me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when thy hither words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is high, yet he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. What is he saying? If you'll humble yourself, I can help you. But if you're going to be proud in your sin, I cannot help you. If you'll humble yourself and come to me and let me minister to the seat of your emotions, then I can help you. But if you're just prideful and say, I don't have a problem, then I can't help you. If you come to me and say, I have a broken heart, then I can minister to your broken heart. Verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, look at this, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of thy enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. 
He wants to perfect you in your soul. He wants to perfect you in your trials and your tribulations. He wants to perfect everything that concerns you. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of their own hands. You are the work of his hands. And he will not forsake you. Revival and being revived in your soul, one definition of revived means to be made stronger or better. Let me be stronger in my emotions. Let me be better in my emotions because I'm revived by the presence of the Most High God. Because I'm not doing it my way, I'm doing it God's way. We're going to end with this scripture and pick up here next week. Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover in sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What did Jesus just rattle off? He rattled off the five pillars of his ministry. Saving or salvation, mending, healing, freedom, right? Anointing. And these five pillars of Jesus' ministry, he walked on them when he was here on the earth. But these five pillars of his ministry are still being done in the church today by the work of the Holy Ghost. He's still saving people. Come on now. He's still mending people's hearts. He's still healing their bodies. He's still setting people free. And he's still covering them with the anointing. Right? So he hasn't stopped doing this. Next week we're going to begin to look at, okay, so if these are the five pillars of Jesus' ministry, how do we cooperate with those? How do we walk out this salvation? How do we let this mending process work in our hearts? How do we let him heal us? How do we let him set us free? How do we let him glory to God? Come on, how do we let him do these things and wash us and cover us with the anointing of the Most High God? See, because I want to cooperate. It's not just enough to read it. God has anointed me to do these things. I want to cooperate with these things that Jesus said, this is what I'm here to do. Come on, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did this when he walked on the earth, he's still doing it today. He's just doing it by the Holy Ghost. He wants to help us. Listen to me. There is hope for your soul. There is help for your soul. As we leave this week, I want to encourage you. Ask the Holy Spirit as you live your life this week. Highlight some things that have been damaging to my soul. Show me some things that I've let in that are hurting me. Internal pressure and external pressure. What have I let in that's causing me to be vexed in the seat of my emotions? And help me close that door.